Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 171. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me on this episode. I pray that it's a blessing. In this episode, we are continuing in reading from my book titled Understanding Biblical End Times. And you can, through the show notes, the description on the episode, find the link to this book through Amazon uh, if you wanted to get uh, copies to to uh, disperse or uh, to have for yourself. Uh, There's something special about paper uh, copies in books that I love, so I'm sure some of you feel the same way. So we are going to continue where we left off in the previous reading. We ended uh, on page 12, Uh, so we'll pick up as we completed the introduction. This will be beginning in on page 13, This is Understanding Biblical End Times, written and narrated by Danny Pate. So let us start this expedition in the Gospel of Matthew. We call this also the Gospel According to Matthew. We often want to condense down the Gospel message into one or two sentences, Yet these four gospel authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, express the gospel throughout their entire book. Let us not attempt to oversimplify the gospel as the writers took great care to describe the entire good news throughout the whole of their writing. The gospel is the whole of the Gospels, and the message rings loud throughout the whole that Jesus is King. Now I begin my exploration by searching the New Testament for the word, quote, end. We will look at the original Greek words to see if we can recapture what was intended through their origins. We will investigate any potential gaps in how we understand them. I will be using scripture texts from the English Standard Version, the ESV, and the New King James Version, NKJV. There will be slight nuances from verse to verse in how words are rendered from the original Greek text, but these two translations capture much of the way many remember the verses. The first place, quote, end appears is Matthew 7, 28 through 29 in the New King James, which says, quote, And so it was when Jesus ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes, end quote. The word, quote, finished is used in the English Standard Version, and the original Greek word is teleo. This word means to finish, end, complete, fulfill, perform, or pay. 
The next place we see this word is in Matthew 10, 21 through 22, which says, quote, Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. End quote. We see this, quote, end to be the Greek word telos. Now, this word can mean the end, the final end, the result, and the culmination. Now, I believe that both these words attempt to communicate an end in time, not an end of time. An example of this could be the end of a baseball game rather than the end of baseball games themselves. Instead, telos describes the end of something in time, the culminating end of an event. In the passage in Matthew 7, Jesus had finished speaking. In Matthew 10, Jesus warns his disciples that if they persevere through the persecution until the end of persecution in time, not the end of time, you will be saved. The word saved is the Greek word sozo, which means to save a physical life from death. That's Matthew 8, 25 or to restore an illness to health, that's Matthew 9.21, and to save from spiritual death, disease, because of sin, that's Hebrews 5.7. The one who endures until the end, in time, is saved, made whole. Now, I'm not presuming or suggesting that persecution, trials, or afflictions will come to an end in time for everyone. Perhaps these trials or afflictions continue until one's death. Even in that scenario, that person will experience the freedom of wholeness upon death. Now, I don't believe those two Greek words communicate the end of time as we know time, apocalypse. The next place we see the word end is in Matthew 12, 42, which says, quote, The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. End quote. The Greek word there for ends is peros, which means a boundary, limit, or an end. This word is functionally used in a geographical context. It would be the same as borrowing our figure of speech to say, quote, I would go to the ends of the earth for love. Now, this expression is speaking of far away geographical distance. Now, the next location in Matthew, we find the word 
end is in Matthew 13, 39 through 40, where Jesus is explaining the parable of the tares. Jesus says, quote, The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. Both these words, end, is the Greek word, suntaleia. This word is a characteristic, apocalyptic Jewish expression, meaning conclusion, consummation, and end of the present period of time. This parable is where I want to spend extra time because it illustrates end times perspective that we often miss. We will read the parable and how Jesus explains it. In Matthew 13, 24 through 30, it says, quote, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy had done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, First, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, Jesus goes on to define this parable in Matthew 13, 36 through 43, saying, quote, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
And just as Jesus' disciples could approach and ask him to explain the meaning to them, so too do we have the same access to understanding and clarity by the Spirit of God. The disciples had no more access to insight than we do. We could even make a case that we have access to more because the Holy Spirit has taken residence in our person. We are not limited by time or space to reach the person of Jesus. One handicap we have is that we have created lenses by which we view these scriptures. And so sometimes we must be willing to break the paradigm of what we perceive to be true. Jesus told his disciples, quote, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. John 16, 12. I wonder how many things we have not yet heard because we don't have a grid for hearing them. The first thing Jesus begins to do is to explain the characters in the parable. To better understand what is happening, we must understand who is being represented. The challenging thing about parabolic teaching is understanding what represents what. First thing, Jesus clears up this issue. The Son of Man, Jesus, sows the good seed, children of God. Now, I do want to point out that the seed here is not Jesus' word. It is the sons of God. The weeds or tares are sons of the wicked one, Satan. With time, the seed grew into harvestable wheat. Now, I want us to pause for a moment to consider the harvest. Many of us see this gathering of the wheat to represent the rapture. However, let's pause to consider something. First, when Jesus explains this parable, he explains that the tares are gathered first. This perspective turns on its head our traditional view of the wheat, that's children of God, being taken up or raptured while the tares are left to destruction. We normally call this event the rapture. This parable does not support that view. Jesus explains that the harvest is the end of the age. Now, we quickly want to assign that to the last day of the Lord, but if we carefully look, we will see that both Jesus and the devil do the sowing of sons. Now, the following is a very interesting, profound truth. The Greek word for tares is zazenian, and it means darnel or false grain. What is a darnel? Lolium termolentum, typically known as darnel, poison darnel, darnel ryegrass or cockle, is an annual plant. Now, in some regions, this plant can be so similar in appearance to real wheat that this imposter is referred to as a false wheat. 
It bears a close resemblance to wheat until the ear appears. The orientation of the leaves that contain the false wheat will be different from the imposter than wheat. Wheat will appear brown when ripe, whereas darnel is black. A fungus can infect darnel, and when the byproduct of that fungus is ingested, it creates drunken nausea from eating the plant, which can be fatal. Now, Just take a moment to process all that symbolism. These tares look like wheat until the ripened state occurs. They grow in the same places and can be toxic and fatal. Now, armed with that new information, does this paint a new picture of the tares in wheat? Jesus clearly shows us throughout the Gospels that he is interested in harvest and fruit. Now, in light of all this, my initial question is how we can better understand the harvest in this parable. What does it look like for the sons of God and the sons of the devil to be harvested? When are they harvested? We tend to be very one-sided in our thinking on the phrase, quote, end of the age. When Jesus is explaining this parable, he says, the harvest is the end of the age. We instantly jump to the end of the world, but this is not correct. Later in Matthew 24, Jesus is telling his disciples about the forthcoming destruction of the temple. His disciples ask when all these things will occur, and what will be the sign of his coming and the, quote, end of the age. These are the very same questions we ask today. I want you to see two verses to shed some light on this, which are 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 and Hebrews 9 verse 26. In 1 Corinthians 10 11, it says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Paul says, quote, Our admonition, which means counsel or warning, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Paul clearly states the ends of the ages have come. The Greek tense of the phrase, quote, have come, is aorist, which simply means it has happened. Hebrews 9.26 says, quote, he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. End quote. When did Christ come and put away sin by sacrificing himself? The cross. Hebrews just told us that at the end of the ages, Jesus appeared and put away sin by sacrificing himself we can then conclude that the end of the ages is at the place of the cross. 
So if the end of the ages begins at the cross, how can that change the way we see the wheat and tear parable? What if this gathering is something obtained by the finished work of Christ on the cross? Could the separation of the wheat and tares be finished through the pre-known plan and work by Jesus on the cross? Will there be a literal judgment and literal fire of hell? Absolutely. This perception this perception is meant in no way to detract from the reality of an eternal destination for each soul. This perception is intended to reanalyze what is being taught through Scripture regarding the Word of God. The tares, sons of the devil, are gathered through the victory over the enemy by the cross, and the defeat paid at the cross separates between wheat and tare. So this will include, conclude our reading in part two. Uh, we will pick back up again on page 23 in our next episode. Thank you for taking the time to join me. Until next time. I would trade a million lifetimes